0: Good morning, everybody. Excuse me. It's uh, six minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut, the 27th day of January 2021. Welcome to a Wednesday morning wake-up call. Here on Sports Country Radio, it is a slick morning here in the Northeast. We had uh, some snow overnight, more of a nuisance snow than anything else. The northern part of the state got a couple of inches, but it mixed in with some sleet and freezing rain. So some slick roads out there. It's interesting you look at the uh, news in the morning, and they show the crawl of the schools that have postponed for the day. Or now we see something new that we never saw before. Now it is a remote learning day. So snow days, are probably becoming a thing of the past. You know, kids used to love, oh, it's snowing, no school today. Yeah, well, now <laughs> schools have decided that uh, they're going to have remote learning days so nobody gets a snow day, including the teachers. <laughs> I mean, on the good side of that is everybody gets out of school when they're supposed to, I guess, instead of having sometimes school being postponed until the end of, you know, or going on till the end of June, so. Uh, before we get into sports this morning, I just wanted to take a minute to uh, uh, recognize uh, the passing of John Clark, um, a good friend of mine, somebody that uh, I worked with on uh, WCNX radio uh, for 13 years. Um, lost his battle with pancreatic cancer yesterday. And, uh, you know, we knew it was kind of coming, but it's, it's just never easy. I'd like to thank those of you that have reached out to uh, – To contact me, I'd also like to thank those of you that have donated to the GoFundMe page we have for uh, John and Judy. Uh, Judy, his wife, uh, you know, is facing uh, a mountain of medical bills and, uh, you know, trying to figure out how to move on from here. And uh, so if you haven't donated already, if you you could do that, that would be great. There's a link to it on our uh, website, sportscountry.net. You could also go to the GoFundMe page and look up John and Judy Clark. You can find it there. Um, but uh, yeah, John Clark passed away yesterday. He was only sixty-nine years old, you know, and uh, just uh, yeah, it was a tough day, tough day. But uh, just wanted to recognize that first show I've done on this station without John Clark being uh, being around. And John was a faithful listener of this show. Uh, he and Judy both used to put it on in their house and listen to me uh, while they were having breakfast in the morning. And uh, after working with them on their station for so long, being their sports director, helping with. Uh, Do all their uh, high school basketball and football broadcasts. Uh, They were the biggest supporters of this station, and uh, I think they felt almost like proud parents. I mean, John wasn't much older than I was, but, you know, they just, the fact that I I took their idea, kind of the internet radio thing, and ran with it to do a a sports talk show, they just, they absolutely loved it. So, uh, anyway, just wanted to take a minute to do that. And uh, yesterday, my wife had the day off, so Barb and I decided we were going to go down and visit my mom we hadn't seen my mom in a little while so we went down saw my mom she needed to go grocery shopping so we said all right fine you know we mask up and we go see her and we're sorry right, let's go out to we'll go out to lunch brunch or whatever it was late morning and then uh, we'll We'll go grocery shopping. You know, she's got a grocery store she loves over in Mystic, Connecticut, called McQuaid's. She hasn't gone there for months because she moved from that area. She moved from Ledger to Waterford, so it's no longer. She had to cross the bridge, and you know, when you're 80 years old, you know, going over, going over the Gold Star Bridge isn't necessarily something you want to do. So we took her to her old grocery store, and uh, so we had a nice, a nice time of it. And then this morning, I, I get up. I'm looking at my Facebook page and we had gone out to lunch at this place that uh, in, in, uh, it's called Mystic Village. It's kind of a, it's kind of a shopping center or it's like a, a, it's like a village. And each store has its own little individual building and they're built like colonial style buildings. And, you know, it's kind of a quaint little place. So anyway, so we go there to this restaurant that we like, and I'm not going to name the restaurant because I don't, I don't, I don't want to get them in trouble or have anybody lose their minds. But I go on Facebook this morning and find out that the restaurant is closed after yesterday because they found out one of their employees has tested positive for the coronavirus. I was just there yesterday, and within hours after we were there, they closed up shop for the the foreseeable future because one of their employees tested positive. And I'm thinking, oh, great. Here I am, me, my wife, my 80-year-old mother, and we were there, and, you know, oh, my God. You know, and I'm sure it was fine. I'm sure the person that tested positive wasn't at work that day, but it's just, oh, my God. You know, something that you'd never have to think about in a million years. You know, in the old days, you know, you went to a restaurant, and maybe you found out somebody got sick from food poisoning. Now you got to worry about going there and, you know, contracting something that can kill you. Oh, God. Welcome, Welcome to the new normal. All right, let's get to sports. Uh, the baseball hall of fame yesterday elected nobody to the Hall of Fame. The first time that has happened uh, since two thousand and thirteen. It was expected it really that Kurt Schilling was going to get in. Uh he was sixteen or seventeen votes short last year. No, twenty votes short last year. He fell sixteen votes short this year. You have to be on seventy five percent of the ballots. He was on seventy one point one percent, so he doesn't get in. The other two guys that, you know, were the closest were Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. They were both at just about sixty two percent. Um now on the face of it, I don't have an issue with nobody getting in. All right. I mean, let's start there. Okay, I mean, look, you know, if you don't feel somebody's worthy, that's fine. The problem that I am having with the Hall of Fame voting is the same problem that I am having with society today. We have become so judgmental and so uh, everybody is now the arbiter of what is right, what is proper, who acts the right way, who's a schmuck, who's not a schmuck. Everybody's got an opinion. It's on Facebook. It's on Twitter. It's on Instagram. It's on everywhere you want to go. Everybody's got an opinion about who's who's doing it right and who's doing it wrong. And that has impacted the Hall of Fame voting. Why did Kurt Schilling not get in? You're not going to tell me he didn't get in because he's not worthy of getting in. Kurt Schilling is a Hall of Famer, period. I'm sorry, folks, but this is a guy that is perhaps the best postseason pitcher in the history of baseball. 11-2 and two in the postseason and an absolute beast. This is and not and it wasn't just the postseason. This is a guy that didn't walk anybody. Had a you know a career ERA of about three and a half. This is a guy who is a Hall of Famer. I'm sorry, and you know the, I saw people trying to justify ah you know uh, uh, Dan Shaughnessy in the Boston Globe this morning saying that Kurt Schilling is a borderline Hall of Famer. Bull crap. Kurt Schilling in his career was one of the best pitchers in baseball for a period of about, I don't know, let's say, let's say for about twelve years, he was one of the best pitchers in baseball. Period. This is a guy whose walks and hits the innings pitch through his career, over 20 years, was 1.1. That is impressive. A guy who struck out over 3,000 batters in his career. You want to talk about a number that opens your eyes? 3,100 strikeouts. He only walked 771 guys in his career. He only averaged two walks per nine innings his entire career. Those are ridiculous numbers. Kurt Schilling never walked this I, when I looked this up I couldn't believe it. he never walked more than 61 guys in a season. and that was in 2000 or 1998. he struck out 300 guys that year and he walked 61. That's ridiculous. He averaged 10 strikeouts an inning or 10, excuse me, 10 strikeouts a game per 9 innings and he walked 61. Most years he walked in of under one guy an inning or a game. It's crazy. 1997, 319 strikeouts, 58 walks. You know, now you want to point to the fact that he never won a Cy Young award. Okay, I'll give you that. He didn't. He was a six-time All-Star. He finished second in the Cy Young voting three times. This guy belongs in the Hall of Fame. 216 wins, 146 losses, a workhorse, a guy that pitches you over 200 innings on a regular basis. And when the when your life was on the line, there are damn few people you want to have pitching a game than Curt Schilling. As I said, 11-2 in the postseason, an ERA of 2.23 in postseason play. That's crazy. He allowed less than one base runner per inning in his postseason career. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that, folks. So... In my mind, he belongs in. And by the way, you know, Dan Shaughnessy of the Globe wants to say, wow, well, he's borderline. Well, there's six Hall of Fame voters at the Boston Globe. He's the only one that didn't think Kurt Schilling belonged in. But a lot of these people, and this is where the problem becomes, okay? A lot of the people that did not vote for Kurt Schilling did not do so not because of what happened on the field, not even what happened during his playing career. They're doing it because of what happened after he left baseball, because of the fact that he was a supporter of Donald Trump, that he is very outspoken about his conservative views. I get that. It did not help his case where he at one time had a T-shirt about lynching reporters. I get it. All right. Um, And. He also tweeted out a thing after the attack on the U.S. Capitol about, you know, you cowards sat on your hands and did nothing while liberal trash looted and rioted and burned for Air Jordans. Uh, And now, you know, there's folks start a confrontation for things that matter like rights and democracy and, and the end of government corruption. And look what happens. Now, those comments were tweeted out after the votes were due. So those comments did not impact whether or not he got in, but the fact that he has been outspoken and is an outspoken conservative killed him. And look, I have a lot of reporter friends. Okay. I was a newspaper reporter at one time. One of, you know, I have really good friends who, who are newspaper reporters. So let me start there. I love newspaper reporters. I have a lot of respect for them, but let's also understand that most newspaper reporters are very left-leaning. And to tell me that that doesn't play into it is naive. Look, I don't like Kurt Schilling's views. I don't support the things that he does. I don't agree with his his uh, uh, take on what happened at the Capitol. But Kurt Schilling, if you look on the field, is a guy that performed belongs in the Hall of Fame. Kurt Schilling. Did not use PEDs. Kurt Schilling has not beaten up his wife. Kurt Schilling has not killed anybody. Kurt Schilling has not been, you know, it, Kurt Schilling, you know, he's made some bad business decisions. I get that. You know, he started a uh, uh, video game company after he got out of baseball and went bankrupt. Um, you know, uh, got fired at, at ESPN because of some things he said about comparing Muslim extremists to, uh, to Nazi Germany. You know, uh, and, and uh, had some Facebook things about transgender people. But that was all post-playing. had nothing to do with anything. Reporters that are voting for the Hall of Fame, in my mind, are going way, way too far in determining somebody's character. You know, the old, there's an old term, or not an old term. Well, I guess it is an old term, but, you know, a thing that likes to be thrown around a lot when we have a lot of athletes these days talking about social issues, and people will say, well, stick to sports. Well, that's a ridiculous statement, first of all. So I'm not telling baseball players to simply stick to sports, but I think you have to weigh, if you are voting for a baseball Hall of Fame And I know part of their instructions that they are given by the Baseball Writers Association when they are voting that you are supposed to take into account not just their record and their playing ability, but also their integrity, their character. Okay? But I think to me you're going a little far if you're going to start looking at somebody's political leanings and you're going to start looking into things they've done after they got out of baseball. Look, we have people in the Hall of Fame right now. Right now. That are racist. That cheated on their wives. That uh, that have been convicted of fraud. They're flat we have flat out criminals in the baseball Hall of Fame right now. Criminals. And yet now all of a sudden and it's not all of a sudden, but in the last 25 years, say, all of a sudden, every baseball writer in America is holier than thou and say, oh, no, that's not good enough. Now, I have less of an issue I, I with the PEDs, okay? you If you broke the rules in baseball, if you failed a drug test and you got caught using performance-enhancing drugs you don't deserve to get in the Hall of Fame, period. Okay? That, to me, if, if you're a writer and you want to say take a stand against PED guys and say, I'm never voting for a guy who got caught with PEDs, okay. I'm okay with that. However, we also have to differentiate between the pre-testing and post-testing. So, for instance... Performance-enhancing drugs, steroids, were not banned. They were not illegal substances in Major League Baseball prior to testing beginning in 2004. I repeat, they were not illegal. You were not banned or suspended for using things like that prior to testing in 2004. It's the same way the guys that were playing in the seventies used to play some of them, you know, on acid or on amphetamines or whatever. That wasn't against the rules. So you can't hold guys accountable for things that weren't against the rules. For instance, Barry Bonds. All right. Now, Do I hate the fact that Barry Bonds is the all-time home run leader in baseball? Yes. Do I think he cheated to get there? Yes. I also know that prior to him, his body changing in around the the late 80s, before he started using steroids, he was one of the best players in baseball. He was a Hall of Famer. And Barry Bonds never failed a drug test. Never. Roger Clemens has denied using steroids. You can either, uh, you know, believe him or not. Uh, he was, uh, you know, they tried to convict him of lying to Congress saying he hadn't used uh, PEDs. And guess what? He was exonerated. Never failed a drug test. All right? So to, to hold those guys accountable and say, well, they, you know, we know they used steroids. Well, even if you think they did, they never got suspended. They never got caught using steroids. A Rod got caught. Manny Ramirez got caught. Robinson Cano got caught. Nelson Cruz got caught. There's a lot of these guys that have been caught and should not be in the Hall of Fame. But guys prior to that, that did not get suspended when testing came into being should not be excluded. So for a baseball Hall of Fame voter to say, well, Kurt Schilling is a right-wing scumbag and I'm not voting for him because a right-wing he's a right-wing scumbag. Yet and and put that in the same category as somebody that you think cheated the game even though they never tested positive when it was finally illegal, it doesn't make sense. I'm, you know, So I'm getting tired of the holier-than-thou. And by the way, now the Baseball Writers of Association didn't do this. This was something that was done by one of the uh, committees within the Hall of Fame. Bud Selig is in the Baseball Hall of Fame. The former commissioner of baseball is in the Hall of Fame. Okay, Bud Selig was the commissioner of baseball during the steroid era. He was the commissioner of baseball. In the 1990s, when steroids went crazy and we had Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa and Barry Bonds doing all these things that made a mockery of a lot of the records, the the home run hitting records. He was the commissioner. He turned a blind eye to what was going on and waited until 2004 when the furor and the outcry got so big and he finally said, okay, we're going to do something. He's in the Hall of Fame. If he is in the Hall of Fame, you cannot tell me you're going to exclude players that played in that era prior to testing when the commissioner of baseball allowed it, didn't stop it, it wasn't, technically against the rules, and yet you're going to exclude them when this commissioner is in the Hall of Fame. That makes no sense. Now, as far as Schilling goes, if you look at his numbers, he belongs in the Hall of Fame. And I I repeat, he has done nothing illegal. He has not been, you know... Uh, put you know convicted of domestic abuse. he did not fail a drug test. You know all he's guilty of is being a right- wing moron. And by the way, Kurt Schilling loves the game of baseball. Kurt Schilling knows the history of baseball. Uh, yet, as and this is a guy that was very respectful of the game. If you listen to him when he was a player, he always talked about the history and about how important it was and, and how grateful he was to be a part of that great institution. You know, so what we're seeing from Kurt Schilling now is not the guy that he was when he was a player. He is unhinged now as an ex player, but that does nothing to do with anything. Ty Cobb was the dirtiest player perhaps ever to play the game. He was a flat-out racist, but he was a great baseball player and he's in the Hall of Fame. You can't suddenly decide in 2000 and, well, actually in the 1990s, all of a sudden you're going to tell me that, well, I know, we know better. So, you know what, if you're not going to allow uh, guys like Curt Schilling in or uh, somebody that you think is uh, morally bankrupt? Well, how about, well, you know what? Maybe you should take people out that are already in. And if you're not going to vote for Bonds and Clemens, well, how come all of a sudden, even though my Excuse me, Mike Piazza's name and Jeff Bagwell's name and a bunch of other people's names that were linked to PEDs somehow got in the Hall of Fame. But we're going to draw the lines at Bonds and Clemens because Bonds is the all-time home run leader and Clemens won more Cy Youngs than anybody. But we're going to draw the line there. But these guys, there were whispers. Nah, it's okay. Because you know why? Because we like them. And their names weren't maybe quite as big. But it's okay. We'll let them in. But we're going to draw the line here. I have a problem with that. Big problem with that. Got to take a breath. 30 minutes past the hour, will take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake-Up Call on Sports Country. It's 32 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake-Up Call here on a Wednesday morning. So Schilling, after the announcement yesterday, you know, his first reaction was, you know, it's okay, I'm at peace, you know, no problem. Uh, Then he had a bit of a temper tantrum on Facebook and wrote a rather long post basically saying uh, he wants his name removed from next year's ballot. Um, And he said, uh, I'll defer to the Veterans Committee and men whose opinions actually matter and who are in a position to actually judge a player. So, in other words, saying these writers don't know crap anyway, so I'd rather – you know, defer to the veterans committee—people that actually played the game and people that might actually understand. You know what I'm all about. And, you know, and he goes on to say, by the way, I don't think I'm a Hall of Famer as often as I've as I've often stated. But if former players think I am, then I'll accept that with honor. Uh, I think that's a little false modesty on Schilling's part because if he didn't think he was a Hall of Famer, he wouldn't have gone off uh, with this long diatribe yesterday on Facebook. So uh, that's a little disingenuous to say that in his part. But regardless. You know the thing is, is, is is, Kurt, is that most writers do think you're a Hall of Famer, and even some of these guys that didn't vote for you, probably in their hearts know you're a Hall of Famer. But they're 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 standing on the moral high ground because they've never done anything wrong in their life, and they've lived uh, lives like uh, you know Saint Francis of Assisi, you know. <laughs> You know that you know. There's that old uh, biblical proverb, though. You know, you know, you who has uh, never committed sin cast the first stone. There's a lot of saintly baseball writers because you know they want to hold people to a standard higher probably than they've held themselves. Uh, but having said that, uh, the the other issue that I have, there are 14 people that returned their ballots. 14 voters that returned their ballots blank, put in nobody because they felt nobody was deserving. Those 14 people should have their vote taken away. Period. You're not going to tell me that of all those people on the ballot, none of them deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Baloney. And if you want to draw the line at, you know, Kurt Schilling or, you know, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, as misguided as I think that is, there are other guys on that ballot that are probably worthy. I, I think Scott Rowland is a Hall of Famer. I think Jeff Kent's a Hall of Famer. But if you, if you return it blank, you should lose your vote because that's just ridiculous. Um, and so now it begs the question, based on what happened now, and, and look, first of all, Schilling, they're, they're not going to remove Schilling from the ballot for next year. According to the Baseball Rudders of Association guidelines, they can't. Their guidelines say, if you receive at least five percent of the vote, you remain on the ballot for ten years. That's the way it goes. So no, he, the, he they can't remove them unless they're going to change their bylaws overnight. Uh, they can't remove them from the ballot. So number that's number one. But number two, by doing what he did yesterday and basically saying, you know, I'll wait to the veterans committee for people whose opinions I actually respect. Uh, guarantees that there are going to be even more writers that won't vote for him now because they're going to say, well, screw you, because they're going to be petty. You know, interesting, Joel Sherman was on the Major League Baseball network yesterday and said, hey, I voted for Curt Schilling nine out of nine times that he's been on the ballot, and I'm going to vote for him next year as well because I think he's a Hall of Famer. You know, he he, he gets the part of, you know, the Curt Schilling after baseball, but he also understands that, That doesn't make him a criminal. It just makes him maybe a little misguided about his politics, but it doesn't make him a criminal, and he didn't cheat the game. You know, he he wasn't Pete Rose. He didn't get caught gambling. You know, he didn't fail a drug test, you know, so, but it almost guarantees that there are going to be more writers that won't vote for for Schilling, so he won't have to worry about it next year. He's not going to get above the 71% he got this year. And as as for Bonds and Clemens, you know, unless somebody, uh, they all of a sudden have some epiphany, you know, and I saw Ken Rosenthal yesterday uh, opine in his thing that well, you know, maybe maybe there's a lot of writers that didn't vote for him because they didn't want him on the same platform as Derek Jeter. You know, because Derek Jeter who did everything clean, and you know, it it, it wouldn't seem right to have those guys up there at the same time. So maybe they'll get in next year. No. Because they, they would have to gain an awful lot of votes, like 50 or 60 votes apiece to get in. And I don't believe that enough writers gave it that, gave it that kind of thought to say, well, we don't want him there at the same time as Derek Jeter. So, no, they're not getting in either. So, we're facing the possibility that next year nobody will get in either. Why? Because take a look at the ballot for next year. Who are the two biggest names on the ballot that come on for the first time next year? Uh... A-Rod, A-Rod, who has admitted to PED use. He's not getting in. He was suspended for it. He's not getting in. You know, and A-Rod has gone on this campaign over the last, you know, few years to try to rehabilitate his image. And he's done a good job, and J-Lo's helped him a lot. There's no question about that. But, you know, he has seemed much more approachable, and he has seemed, you know, he has tried hard. And I'll give him credit for that. I've never been an A-Rod fan because I always knew he was a cheater. Um, but so he's, he's not getting in. Well, who's the other guy, David Ortiz, again, David Ortiz, a guy who was named, uh, in that Mitchell report back in 2003 as a guy who failed a drug test. <coughs> now, since then, Rob Manfred has come out and exonerated him and said, well, the r- results of that were actually inconclusive. So Rob Manfred has thrown a lot of, uh. Uh, question into whether Ortiz actually did or didn't. But, and I repeat, David Ortiz, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, never suspended for failing a drug test. Never. David Ortiz, you can say whatever you want about the Mitchell Report. He never failed a drug test, folks, and he was tested multiple times. So say whatever you want. You know, and, you know, to me, uh, again, a- uh, A-Rod was suspended for it. To me, doesn't get in. Sorry. Ortiz is a different a different kettle of fish. You know, A-Rod's connections to PEDs are clear. David Ortiz's are not. And he never failed a drug test or got suspended. So he gets in. He was one of the biggest clutch hitters. He belongs in the Hall of Fame. You know, and you, you can't go with any character issues with David Ortiz. He was the greatest teammate in the history of baseball, if you listen to some people. And, you know, uh, he could run for mayor of Boston and win. So, but for people who want to take that PED line, they may not vote for David Ortiz. So we're, we're faced next year with Schilling, Bonds, Clemens, didn't get in this year. Not getting in next year. A-Rod, not getting in. Big Poppy I think he's going to get in, but he's not going to get in on the first vote. I think that's going to – I don't think he'll get in the first year. And then you look at the other guys that are going to come up on this this thing for next year. Um, Joe Nathan, nice player. Hall of very good. Tim Lincecum, won a couple of Cy Youngs, but not a, – not a, you know, he, he was a flash in the pan. You know, this is a guy that was great for a, a few years and then just kind of disappeared, not getting in. Jonathan Papelbon. Another guy, great closer for a, a short time, then just disappeared, imploded. Uh, who else? Uh, Jimmy Rollins. Yeah, you might be able to make a case for Jimmy, but but I again, I think he goes in the Hall of Very Good. Ryan Howard, another guy, was great for a few years, well, maybe more than a few years. He was great for a number of years, and then his drop-off was huge. I look at a guy like Ryan Howard a lot like I would look at a guy like Jim Rice. Now, Jim Rice was a better player than Ryan Howard, but – You know, it took Jim Rice a long time to get into the Hall of Fame, a long time. It might take Ryan Howard that long as well. I think he might get in, but it's going to take a long time. But if you look at next year's ballot, you go, you know, with the three three guys carried over and the new guys, who's getting in? There's nobody on that list that you think is going to be a slam dunk. You know, now, you know, Scott Rowland made a big jump this year up to like 53%. You know, he may get some more support next year, but he's not going to jump up 20% in one year. That doesn't happen. So we may be looking at another year where people don't get in. And and going out another year, you look at the first-year guys in 2023, no guarantee there either. There aren't a lot of players. You know, there are going to be guys that were – Carlos Beltran is, like, probably the biggest name in 2023. Well, he was part of the cheating scandal in Houston. How do you think that's going to play for his Hall of Fame candidacy? So think about that. So we could actually go for three straight years with nobody getting in, unless it's from a veterans committee of some kind. You know, and that's crazy. And that tells me that there has to be some changes made somewhere. I don't know what the answer to this is. You can't tell the Baseball Writers Association to ignore the character issue. I get that. But these guys got to take a look at themselves and say, are we going overboard? You know, and I don't want to say it's part of the cancel culture, but it's 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 along those lines. Everybody now, you know, judges everybody else. Jesus, you know, Chrissy Teigen does something on, on – uh, you know, does something and Twitter and Facebook lose their frigging minds and they're telling her that she's a horrible mother or a ho- horrible person. And she's just one example. How about if people just start minding their own damn business? You know, and I get that these baseball writers, you know, think that, that look, this isn't voting for a Nobel Prize, okay? You know, the Hall of Fame is important, but good Lord. You know, if you don't want to vote, you know, uh, for Omar Vizquel because he's been, you know, accused of beating his wife or, you know, there's been other people that have been accused of beating their wives. If you don't want to vote for them, I get that, okay? I mean, I get it because he was probably beating his wife while he was a player. If you don't want to vote for somebody that got caught cheating, well, of course you shouldn't. That's cheating. But we've just, we've got to be able to draw a line between, that 2004 line between pre-testing and post-testing. And then we have to recognize that we have to talk about their conduct on the field as part of a team, as part of a league, versus their political activities. You know, uh, you know, we have to be able – you can't tell me that if, if we're going to have a Hall of Fame that allows criminals already in there, And we allows racists to be in the hall of fame, you know, an out and out racist like Ty Cobb in the same hall with Jackie Robinson. You're not going to tell me that we're going, that we should be putting an overemphasis on what people do outside of the sport as to whether or not they belong in the hall of fame. I think that is misguided. 44 minutes past the hour. We're going to take another break. We come back and we'll, uh, we'll wrap up the baseball talk and uh, talk about a few more things before we get out of here. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 46 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call. So we've got uh, some good news to sign uh, to talk about some signings yesterday and if you're a Phillies fan, you are overjoyed. The Phillies yesterday reached agreement with JT Realmuto, their All-Star catcher, uh, on a 5-year, 115 million dollar contract. Uh, it will make him the highest-paid catcher in baseball history. His average annual salary is going to be twenty-three point one million dollars, which tops the twenty-three million dollars that Joe Mauer averaged uh, in the eight-year deal he got from the Minnesota Twins uh, that expired in two thousand and eighteen. So, you know, th- this was a this was a must for Phillies fans. I mean, they were screaming about. Resigning JT Ramuto. Look, he's going to be 30 years old uh, this year. Hit 266 last year. He had a career best OPS of 840 last year. Uh, he with he is right now probably, you know, one of the two or three best catchers in Major League Baseball. Um, he's made his second All Star team in 2019. He's got a couple of Gold Gloves to his credit. Uh, it's a guy that's g- can hit you 25 to 30 home runs. Um. So they had to re- they had to do this. Now the Phillies have bigger needs than that as well. I mean, they need pitching, but uh, this is a big big deal for them to get G.T. Remuto locked up for the next five years. The Blue Jays yesterday with another signing, they signed Marcus Semyon to a one year deal for eighteen million dollars. So uh, it wasn't cheap. Semyon was actually linked to the Red Sox, but when the Red Sox signed Kike Hernandez, that kind of Closed up the market for Semyon, so he signs that one year deal with the Blue Jays. Of course, they just recently signed George Springer, the kid from Connecticut, to a six year deal for $150 million. Uh, they also signed Kirby Yates, uh, a guy who can be a premier back of the bullpen kind of closer. Uh, they've also signed a couple of uh, pitchers in Tyler Chatwood, Robbie Ray. So the Blue Jays have made a lot of moves, and you put that with Bo Bichette and Vlad Jr., they're great young players. They're going to be a handful, you know. And as I said, no, at least the Red Sox have started doing something to put themselves in a position to be contenders because this Blue Jays team is going to be dangerous. Now the Blue Jays are still, in my mind, lacking a little bit of pitching, but this is this lineup is going to hit the baseball. Um, so they are they're going to be a handful. Uh, the Minnesota Twins with a signing yesterday, they signed Andrelton Simmons, uh, former Atlanta Brave, former Anaheim Angel to a one-year deal for $10.5 million. Uh, He is the, well, No, I'm not going to say he's the best, but he is probably one of the two or three best defensive shortstops in the major leagues. Now, his bat has dropped off a little bit. Uh, He's a career 269 hitter, but his last couple of years, he has struggled a little bit. But this is a guy who is a premier defender, and uh, this is a great move. He's 31 years old. Uh, he has four gold gloves, and uh, this is this allows Minnesota to move, make some moves on their infield that they wanted to make. Uh, Luisa Raya's instead of moving uh, uh, playing second base, they're going to move him probably into more of a utility role. Jorge Polanco will become their second baseman next to Simmons, and uh, so this is uh, this gives. Minnesota a lot of flexibility it doesn't help them offensively but they have plenty of offensive pop but this will definitely uh shore up that infield defense so that was a good move by them um one other uh, passing yesterday the Red Sox um former Red Sox coach Ron Johnson died yesterday uh, he was only 64 years old guess what got him you guessed it COVID um he was uh with the Red Sox from uh, 1999 to 2009, mostly in the minor leagues, but he worked, uh, he managed at Sarasota, he managed in Trenton, he managed in Portland, uh, as well as in Pawtucket. And uh, he was instrumental in helping a lot of these young Red Sox players develop over the years. And uh, he spent last year uh, working with the Baltimore Orioles, but he passed away yesterday at the age of 64. 64. This COVID is no joke. Um, UConn men yesterday with a nice win. They beat Butler, sixty-three to fifty-one. It was a win UConn needed. They had lost their last couple of games. This was not a thing of beauty. Now UConn led by fourteen. They had a great first half. Great first half. Uh, I think they shot damn near sixty percent in the first half. Opened up a four-point lead at the intermission, and then had to hold on for dear life, kind of, you know, because uh, offensively. Uh, They only scored 25 points in the second half. They only shot 39% from the field for the game. That is not good enough. Um, They got away with it, but they need to be better offensively. Look, they're still trying to find a way. No James Booknight again. He is out probably for at least two more weeks for UConn, but their defense really stepped up yesterday. They held Butler to 38% shooting. Uh, Isaiah Whaley, seven block shots in this game last night for UConn. Seven. Uh, And Tyrese Martin... The transfer, a nice game, 20 points, uh, shot seven of nine from the field, two for three from a three-point range, had six rebounds. So, uh, you know, UConn did just enough to beat Butler for the second time this season. And their reward for that is they get to take on the number three team in the country. Villanova comes into Gamble Pavilion to take on the Huskies uh, coming up on Thursday night. Good luck. Uh, The Bruins last night with a nice win. They beat the Pittsburgh Penguins last night 3-2 to in overtime. Craig Smith with the game winner for the Bruins with 11 seconds left in the overtime period to give them the win. And the Bruins had a 2-0 lead in this game. They kind of gave it away. Uh, they got a goal in the first, a shorthanded goal by Brad Marchand. Nick Ritchie made it 2-0 with a power play goal in the second. And then uh, Jason Zucker scored about midway through the third period on a goal where it looked like Tuka Rask hurt himself. Uh, And he was very slow to get up, but he said he was okay. He stayed in, uh, but then ends up giving up uh, a goal to uh, Kasperi Kapanen with about three minutes to go in the game, tied it up. And I'll tell you what, Bruins need to consider themselves very, very lucky. The Penguins had a 3-on-0 in the overtime period. Three guys skating in on Tuka Rask. He had no help. And the Penguins got cute. They just overpassed and got nothing out of it. A minute later, the Bruins come the other way with a 2-on-0. Did it just like you draw it up on the chalkboard, and Craig Smith knocks home the goal, and the Bruins win it 3-2. to two. It was uh, snapped a four-game winning streak for the Penguins. The Penguins had started the season 0-2 and uh, had won four in a row until the victory by the Bruins last night. So a nice win for the Boston Bruins. That is going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. I'm uh, taping a podcast tonight with my friends uh, Eric Braun and Paul Arnold uh, about baseball. I'll be, uh, I'm sure I'll be screaming a little bit more about the Hall of Fame. Um, and I've, I've gotten some, I got some text messages and some emails I was checking on the break. And, you know, uh, we're, we're not done talking about this, but it's nice to see. I, I think a lot of people agree with me. It seems, at least from the, the the feedback I've gotten, it seems like, you know, we have to figure this out, America, and it's not just about the Hall of Fame. We have to figure out, and this is a, a challenge that we're going to have now in the halls of government. That's what Joe Biden is going to be facing we have to figure it out folks. We got to figure out a way to get along. We got to figure out a way to compromise and we got to figure out a way that it's either my way or the highway because that is how everybody feels right now. You know, if you're if you look on Twitter, you know, if you don't do what I think you should do, you're a moron or you're a bad mom or you're a bad dad or you're just a bad human being. That's what this nation has become. There's no more room for compromise in this country it's i'm right you're wrong period and and i think that it's i mean it's carried over to the hall of fame and i think it's that's going to continue with the ped issue that is not going to go away for quite a while because there's a lot of guys that are going to be coming up on that hall of fame ballot in the next few years that were ped users it's going to be a challenge no question so i hope we can figure it out I worry about America sometimes, but uh, hopefully we'll be able to figure out a way to, to, to get past this. We leave you this morning with some music from Lane Hardy, The Ground I Grew Up On. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.